Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. Today, Pastor Lance Hahn and I will be t- discussing the family separation that is currently taking place along the southern border of the United States. This issue has ignited all sorts of intense discussion and debate from the faith community, from politicians, and all sorts of other leaders, and we are going to discuss it today. Uh, the Bible has been invoked in defense of the policy, and we will look, look into how appropriate that use of the scriptures involved is. So, all that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. All right, welcome to season two, episode two of the Engaging Culture podcast. I am Brian Kiley. That was probably my worst intro. I would, of I would all agree. Twenty-eight episodes. We've I would done. agree, but that is only because you nail it every time. <laughs> that, so there you go. When you when I you have just, such a high bar, even when you jump slightly less high, sometimes I just go crashing into that bar. I'm just saying, it just doesn't go great. So anyway, Lance, how's it going? Excellent. You good? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, in one sense. It's the FIFA World Cup, right? Yeah, that's exciting. Which normally I don't care as much about. I just want to watch the soccer games and stuff, but now we're in a pool. That's right. And so uh, I really only care about defeating both you and Jeff Eberhardt. Right. Honestly, I'm pretty cool with with Lucian. If If I lose to Lucian, that's fine, but not to Jeff or you. Well, you know, I mean, I I think... Hoping to beat Lucian is is pretty unrealistic. So I've decided since the United States is out, my team is Iceland. That's your team? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm rooting for Iceland. Size of Maine, population of Honolulu. Every single player on in their starting lineup last name ends in S O N. Iceland's a funny place, man. That is that is a very <laughs> bizarre place. Um, uh, pretty awesome from what I hear because I think it's actually rather beautiful, even though it's called Iceland. Oh yeah, but uh, but anyway, uh, that is not at all what we're talking about today. You said that even doing all this research last night, you did more research on the subject we're about to talk about, and you said you went home, to, uh, went to sleep depressed. I did go to sleep depressed. I have. As I'm sitting here looking at my laptop, I have probably 30 tabs open. Uh, of different articles talking about this issue of family se- family separation that's happening uh, at the southern border. This is quite a hard left turn from talking uh, from FIFA <laughs> talking World Cup. World Cup. Uh, I just wanted to throw that off in and case that right away somebody wanted to <laughs> shut it down because it was too depressing. There we go. Um, but we are going to be talking about all different kinds of levels of this stuff. I think yeah. that um, it's a very, very complicated issue. We, of course, you and I both believe in disclaimers. Right. I think we that we, we, you and I both qualify a lot of things that we say. And the reason why we do that, see, here's a qualifier of a qualifier. <laughs> the reason why we do that, uh huh, is because everybody always seems to get it confused. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. And obviously, when you're in the position that you and I are in, we are, are subject to a lot of criticism, which that's kind of, you get into any sort of public life. I mean, you sort of have to deal with that, which is fine. Like, that's what we signed up for. But at the same time, I think that. Because, and this is true as a listener as well, because we listen from a certain perspective, we tend to, that affects the way we hear what is being said. Right. So so what I often want to try to do, especially in a forum like this, where mm-hmm. we have time to talk things out a little bit, is I want to anticipate objections a little bit. Well, just uh, so we don't have to answer So we don't have to emails. answer them later. Like, I mean, the biggest one is, and, and we, we belabor this point all the time, so sorry that we're just going to do it again, we'll do it is, is to me, this is not a political issue. Like, this is not, like, nope. I, like here's, here's my clever way of saying this. This is not a right-left 
left issue. This is a right wrong issue. And mm. I have no interest in getting involved in right left issues. Now, right people will be mad at me for not being right enough. We don't have a lot of left people as Christians in Placer County, but there are some and they'll be mad at me for not being left enough. And I would say to both of them, I love you, but I'm not reading your highly slanted right wing and left wing. <laughs> like I see your articles, right wing Christians oh, that you're posting, everywhere. they're nonsense. <laughs> and you know, like I'm not letting that guide my thinking. And I don't have any interest in defending a side. I want to... Uh, I want to hold different individuals and organizations accountable yeah. to the extent that either they have the power to make change and they're not, right, or they are being untruthful about their own ability to to affect change. Now, those are issues I will speak to on any side, but for sure. You know, whatever. So, anyway, I just want to make sure everybody knows that's not the perspective we're coming at this from. Roger that. I think that all the different things that we were grabbing as we're diving into this are are very mainline, very um, well thought out articles. I think we were pulling a lot uh, in talking about how does Jesus get involved in this whole situation? Yeah. What does the Bible say? I mean, these are things that we're going to be focusing on: the the value of the family, uh, protecting children. Um, so yeah, is it going to involve things that end up getting drawn into political debate? Sure. Like immigration reform, stuff like that. Yeah. But, but once again, we always must address issues, um, even if we're not going to be involved in politics. So yeah. anyway, having said all of that, let us move. Yeah, we'll get going. So, so first just the issue of kind of what's going on here. Right. Uh, yeah. And again, we could go in so many different directions to, to kind of explain the nuance of this. But uh, if you've been anywhere near a news source at all, you know that what is currently happening uh, due to something that is called a zero tolerance policy is, in, is families that are attempting to cross into the United States are being separated and uh, adults are being detained in federal prison and they're being separated from their children who are being uh, held in different facilities away from their parents. Uh now, there's a lot of different discussion and debate about what is the quality of these facilities, how well are the children being taken care of, and this and that and the other thing. And while I think that's an issue, I don't think it's the main issue. I've seen plenty of pictures of kids playing games, of facilities with pool tables, of you know the kids being able to do kind of normal kid stuff, but that's not the issue. The issue is they are being forcibly removed from their parents without any sort of knowledge of when they will be reunited. I think that if a kid is able, even, even if we were to say the place is really fun, which I think that's an overstatement, a kid can go someplace that's really fun and have a great time if they know their parents are coming back. Yeah, My children are less than a half a mile from us right now at summer camp having a great time. And I said to them, I'll see you boys at 415. I can't wait. So they know I'm coming back at 415. Right. That's different. So kids are being separated from their parents and that is creating all sorts of problems for the children, as, as we'll get into later. And I think that has raised a lot of questions within the faith community about, okay, wherever we think about immigration, wherever th we think about the politics of this, this is a real problem that we're uh, removing. You know, you, I, I don't, I'm not trying to use unnecessarily inflammatory language, but the language you hear around is, you know, families are being ripped apart, children are being torn away from their parents, and that's a real problem. And that has gotten the attention, certainly, of the faith community um, and a lot of other folks as well. Okay, so a couple uh, couple stats on here. So the reason why they're being separated, just in case anybody is trying to wonder, uh, is that U.S. immigration law charges adults with a crime but not the children. Therefore, they are held separately. So the parents are being detained as bad guys, 
therefore there is a penalty that they have to have that the kids don't have. So the kids then are not going to the penalty phase. They're being sent somewhere else. Now, that all sounds great on paper until you realize that means forcible separation. Okay, Mm -hmm. so in two months, there was just shy of 2,000 children that were separated. This is not a, oh, it happened to this one family this one time, right? So we're talking about 2,000 children in mass detention centers or foster care where 100 plus of them are under four years old. So even if you're doing this, you know, it talks about diaper changes. So they have whole policies. Um, You you had sent me an article that Laura Bush wrote in the Washington Post. And she ended up saying that Homeland Security has sent almost 2,000 children to mass detention centers. The reason zero tolerance policy for the parents who are accused illegally of crossing the borders. But here is what was interesting is she said the American Academy of Pediatrics visited a shelter run by the U.S. Office of Refugee Resettlement. And they reported there were beds, toys, crayons, playground, and diaper changes. And you you look and you go, well, first of all, diaper changes means they're young. Mm -hmm. Second of all, you go, okay, well, it sounds like the kids are getting some cool stuff. Mm -hmm. But then it says the people, and I would imagine it could have been for one day, it could have been just in this resettlement facility. I'm not saying it's all facilities. Mm-hmm. I'm not even saying that it's accurate. But they reported back that the people that were in charge of the camps were told not to pick up nor touch the children to comfort them. Yeah, And that is, and, and so once again, even if a little one, let's say they're a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and they're scared and there's no comfort. Now, you got to remember, they got all put in together with other kids. Those other kids are not their parents. Yeah. You say, well, that 13-year-old went over and held them. Yeah. Okay, that's still... Uh, we run um, children's ministry here at, at our church. Right. And the separation anxiety of going into a children's facility that is full of smiling, loving faces, and the kids still feel like they're being traumatized right. for an hour and a half, yeah. uh, and then reunited with their parents... Um, The devastation has to do with the long-term effects of forcible separation, right? So once again, we'll get into the layers of, well, if if they didn't want their family separated, they should have never tried to get here illegally. And if they're going to be willing to do that, then that's what they get. Okay. Right. There's a whole problem with that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep yeah. diving in. I just wanted to get that some. And just so you know, one last statistic, 65 million people are forcibly displaced by conflict, violence, and persecution globally. Yeah. Well, and that's where I think you get into the question of, or the issue of, of, of these families are facing something that we just cannot fathom. Uh, it, it, right. it, it, that goes a long way towards guiding my own thinking about things like uh, refugee care and, and things of that nature, is that it is, it is unimaginable to me to face that choice of do I stay where I am, where maybe it's a war zone, where uh, drug violence is intolerable, where I'm living in a home where because of spousal abuse I'm unsafe, that's what drives a lot of people to the, to the border, or I have the decision to seek entry into the United States legally or illegally. That is a, a situation that I cannot possibly relate to, that virtually none of us can can relate to. and. That choice is absolutely devastating. And for that reason, individuals faced with that choice need, at the very least, our compassion. Now, Amen. the other side of that is, I, I think we need to make sure we're clear for our listeners that we're not advocating for open borders. Nope. 
We're not suggesting that there shouldn't be immigration laws. Uh, I'm certainly not endorsing illegal immigration. Nope. Uh, and, and so, it's, and I think because I think that what often happens is we get into a situation like this where we say, okay, families are being separated. This needs to stop. And the counter argument is something like, well, what do you want? Just open borders? No, no. <laughs> there are intermediate positions here, and there are intermediate positions that do not cause this level of damage to young people. Because, because as you noted, I mean, the American Academy of Pediatrics, their president was there touring the facilities, and she was saying, "What is happening to these children? Because could cause quote irreparable harm." And I just have a very hard time thinking. I think Jesus is cool with that. Like how the way we're solving this problem is to cause cause irreparable harm to young children uh, because of a devastating decision that their parents were forced to make. I I can't square those two things in my mind. Well, and and uh, and okay, so let let's t- let's dive into this other piece of it, which is hey, you don't want to do the time, don't do the crime attitude, right? So yeah. l- let's get into a, a couple pieces. Yeah about this. So, first of all, there are people fleeing for a variety of different reasons. So, there is refugee issues and immigration issues. Mm-hmm. Immigration is the idea of I would like to go live in America. Yeah. Refugee is I got to live anywhere else but here. Right. Wherever here is, right? So, if you are under threat for your life, if it's a war-torn zone and you're saying I got to get out of here, I don't have any money to live anywhere around here, you run for help. Okay, yeah. so refugees and immigrations or immigrants are actually two different things. Yeah. So, there is a new policy mm-hmm. that uh, the Trump administration put in, which is there is no more protection for those fleeing from domestic violence mm-hmm. or gang violence. All right. Now, those specifically, um, that's a lot of folks that try to escape from Central America mm-hmm. and South America. Mm-hmm. Because of the rising gang populations and certain targeting things. So a new policy said, well, that doesn't qualify you as a refugee. Um, So they would then say, but I'm still fleeing for my life. Mm -hmm. I'm going to find a way to get somewhere. I got to get anywhere else than here because I have to get into a place where my bad guys don't have control. Right. So you go, well, just move to another part of the country. Mm, bad guys still have access there. Right. So when when they're coming through and Jeff Sessions said, well, you've got to remember asylum seekers do have a way to come through. There are ports of entry that you can get through and you can all stay together as a family. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's my problem with all this. First of all, everyone assumes that everyone is educated and they know the system. Mm-hmm. Until I do research, I actually did not know. I'm a very educated guy. I'm in a doctoral program, Mm -hmm. and I still don't exactly know how it works, right? And yet we're having all these families that are coming from low-educated places, and we're saying, you should know all the rules Mm -hmm. when you're in a panic. I don't think they care necessarily about all the rules. Let's say they knew all the rules and still made a determination. To come into our country illegally can be a misdemeanor, Mm -hmm. right? Now, a lot of misdemeanors are uh, things here that are normally handled by a fine, Yeah. right? Because of a misdemeanor infraction, this is not a felony, for a misdemeanor infraction, they are being forcibly separated from their children in detention centers. Now, some people say, hey, if you kill someone and then you don't get to be with your kids, you have to go away to jail and you put your children in danger. Okay, that's a felony, first of all. We're not even talking about the same level of violation right right yeah so i I, I, well and even even just the idea of what what other misdemeanor is there where 
the response of the government is to indefinitely detain you and your child while the government sorts it out. There is, there is, I, I, I mean, I, maybe I'm missing something, but I don't know of any other misdemeanor where, again, that's our policy. Now, if there's convictions, if there's a felony that is committed with a conviction, I mean, shoot, even when you commit a felony, you can get out on bail most of the time. If you commit a misdemeanor, yes, that is a crime that needs to have a consequence, but the consequence ought not be we are going to detain you and detain your child until we can separate from you, separate from you mm-hmm. until we can adjudicate your case. Now, one thing I was even reading about in the last day or two is that prior to zero tolerance being enacted is that there were detention facilities, not federal prisons, detention facilities where families could stay for up to three weeks, but they would be together. Like, okay, I have less of a problem with that. Now, there are problems with that, and people have been pretty quick to point out, like, hey, everybody's all outraged about this now. Well, things weren't great. Under the Obama administration, we have some pretty gross photos that are showing up about what things were like for detainees then. And I would say, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, it was wrong then, it's wrong now. Like, I, I don't care who the president was. If this people are being treated this way, it ain't right. But the point was, it was for a set period of time and they were together, whereas now they're separated. And I think for those who have not experienced it and praise the Lord, I have myself have not experienced it. I think it is impossible to imagine the pain as a parent of being removed from your child and you don't know when you're going to see them again. And several news sources, I was reading an article from the New Yorker this morning talking about how there is no clear mechanism in place for family reunification. As a parent, you don't know when you're going to see your child again. As a child, you may not even have the mental capacity to even nope. think about when you're going to see your So you're literally living in every moment like now, 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 now. Like, again, illegal immigration is a problem that needs to be addressed, but not like this. One of my um, things that kind of got my juices flowing, right? So certain things tick me off and get me a little agitated. Um, I don't know if you've ever noticed that. I, you know, that you, it's subtle, but I it, have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so um, here's this is the one that really got my blood flowing. Jeff Sessions said that the practice of separation of families was a deterrent. Yeah. Now, a deterrent to discourage families from crossing the borders. That's what really ticked me off. Here's why. You think you're punishing the parents and you're destroying children. Yeah. So I understand you're mad at the parents. I understand mm-hmm. you're trying to be mean to them to try mm-hmm. to get them to stop doing something. Yeah. But what you're doing is harming children. You're looking only on one side of the equation. Yeah. You're, uh, that is the wrong deterrent. That's right. almost like saying, as a deterrent, we're going to gun them down at the border. Right. Okay, that is a deterrent. It's the wrong deterrent. Yeah. There are good deterrents and there are bad deterrents. So when you say that we're going to pull children away and that is a deterrent, you went way out of line. Right. You're creating lifelong trauma yeah. for children who didn't do anything. Yeah. So you're punishing the innocent and you keep looking at the parents going, huh? See, now how do you like it? Yeah. Okay, you're still looking at the parents. Yep. The children are the ones that are suffering. Yep. There are a million others. If we said anyone that crosses the border wrong, immediate castration. That is a deterrent. It's not the right deterrent. Right? right? You understand what I'm saying? So there's a lot of wrong deterrents. I believe this is a wrong deterrent. And when you're doing it and saying, ha ha, I told you so, don't cross our borders. Yeah. It it says more about us than it does about them. 
Right. And and I think that what you and I are calling for and what a lot of religious leaders, I mean, even Mr. Wright, Franklin Graham, <laughs> right? Uh, yes. uh, you know, he even denounced right. this stuff. And the Southern Baptist Convention, they yeah. denounced it. And it was like the Evangelical Network, they denounced it. And it yeah. was like everybody's denouncing this yeah. in the church. So whether you're on the right wing side or the left wing side, your denomination yeah. probably denounced it. Yeah, there have been no, de- we'll, we'll get into the specifics of this in a minute. There have been no denominations, to my knowledge, that have spoken out in in favor of this in any way, and many, 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 many who have denounced it. So go on. Sorry. Yeah. No. 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 Um, and so, I mean, we can sit there and and, and talk about. Um, well, it's not okay. We need to figure out how to do this, and we need to. Do- You're absolutely right. I have no problem in tightening border restrictions because sometimes there's the idea of. You know what? If, if it's super easy to get in, it's very tempting to want to try to get in and make a difference in your life. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to suggest, just like when we talked about immigration in the past, and I, we weren't talking specifically about refugees, right? but immigration, here's the thing. If you have never tried to do the immigration process, it sounds like it's doable. Mm-hmm. It's actually not. Yeah. Because the system is so broken and so expensive, it only allows in a few rich people. Right. Um, because the amount, um, even just trying to do, uh, we had a bunch of people that were from, you know, we've had friends that were both from South Africa, mm-hmm. um, just a, a white family from South Africa. Mm-hmm. We had a whole bunch of people from other areas in Europe and some areas in India. Denied. They just, you cannot come here. And yeah. they could not, even with super high level jobs, could not pay the money and were not allowed right. to come in here. So this whole idea of, well, there is a right way to do it. Actually, there's not. Yeah. If the right way to do it is so high you cannot climb there, is it really a way? Yeah. And you go, well, then how are all these people getting in there? It's a broken situation. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to tell you that because if you do want to start getting in places, that's when you start doing bribes. That's yeah. when you start doing a bunch of other things in order to do it. And we shouldn't have a policy like that. Right. Yeah. We should not have a policy like that. And then, like you said uh, a minute ago, I, I think there are appropriate deterrents and inappropriate ones. And and this is it is frankly, in my opinion, it's un-American to use cruelty as a deterrent. I just don't think that's the right way to go about it. And that's many, not our. That's not what we're that's, about. That's not who we are. And many other public figures have have gone forward and said something to that effect. I, I think it's important to note that uh, that amongst Christian leaders, from what I can tell, this is not controversial. Uh, I've seen, and this it breaks my heart. I've seen it all over social media. So many, you know, many Christians sharing these sort of fringe articles and videos that are long on hyperbole and very short on actual accurate information, kind of defending what's going on, which this, I've just realized, this is how it goes when injustice happens. Something awful happens, the real news talks about how something awful is happening, and then the fringe news comes in with like, no, it's not as bad as you think, and all the real journalists are lying to you, and then people believe it and run with it, and it's very sad. But, it's important, (laughs) that's my little soapbox on that, but it's important to note that there are literally dozens of Christian organizations and denominations who have come out against this. And one thing that I thought was very interesting was actually a letter that was signed by a number of leaders that was written to the president. And I just want to 
I want to cite some of the leaders that were represented because I think that's important. And then I want to read a little bit of the letter. So signers included Leith Anderson, president of the National Association of Evangelicals, uh, Scott Arbiter, the president of World Relief, an organization we're very close with. Samuel Rodriguez, who you know personally, right? Yes, and I've met Leith as well. And you've met Leith as well. President of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference. Richard Stern, the president of World Vision. Uh, Russell Moore, who I admire a great deal. He is the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. And on and on I could go. There's a whole bunch more. And they say things like, uh, I'm just going to read this one paragraph. As evangelical Christians guided by the Bible, one of our core convictions is that God has established the family as the fundamental building block of society. The state should separate families only in the rarest of instances. While illegal entry to the United States can be a misdemeanor criminal violation, past administrations have exercised discretion in determining when to charge individuals with this offense, taking into account the well-being of children who may also be involved. A, quote, zero-tolerance policy removes this discretion with the of removing even small children from their parents. The traumatic effects of this separation on these young children, which could be devastating and long-lasting, are of utmost concern. U.S. law currently allows individuals with a credible fear of persecution to request asylum, whether the individual enters with a valid visa, requests asylum at a port of entry, or or, this is important, is apprehended seeking to enter without a visa. Not every individual arriving will merit asylum protection, but we would ask that families be kept together while ensuring each individual asylum seeker is afforded due process according to our laws. I don't see a whole lot to disagree with there. Do you? No, I think that I, I think that it was... All it's saying is, listen, things aren't all right. This is just not the way to do it. And right. we're just trying to say, listen, don't hurt the babies. Uh, and I mean babies, anyone under 18, right? right? Don't hurt the children. Right. And there's another way to handle this. And your zero tolerance policy and trying to be tough, um, that is is harming more than it's helping. Um, uh, the other thing that I want to balance out is there was an article in Christianity Today that Ed Stetzer was writing about that he wanted to clarify. There was an earlier hype story about 1,500 missing children right. that yes. really hit the news, and we ended up finding out, no, that's not really how it went yeah. and all that stuff. So once again, let's be very careful on what we're reading and how it goes. we got to dig into these things before we start believing them and forwarding them on to everybody else, right? right? Yeah. Um, but here's, here's a continued concern for me through all this. Let's look at it in context. In context, America as we know it. Now, I've done plenty of studies in Native American studies, and I can talk about the devastation of us showing up here. Okay, I get it. We're gonna, we'll are yeah. gonna talk about that on another podcast. But here's the deal. The America we know was founded on the fleeing, finding refuge. That's yeah. actually what America was founded on. Yeah. That's a context of our nation. Our nation's not that old. Right. Um, so many people then jumped into that lifeboat that now all the people in the lifeboat are pushing everyone's hands off that are trying to clamor into the lifeboat. Mm -hmm. That's really America. Yeah. We just have to look at the context. Now, we can all argue and say, listen, if we let everybody onto the lifeboat, the lifeboat's going to capsize and we're going to have a problem. That's completely fine. Right. What I'm saying is that while we are pushing people's hands off, there's a certain way to care for them and there's a certain way to be mean and nasty. Right. And the way that we currently have our system leads to this type of policy. Yeah. So if we're going to do any change, it has to be done a little bit deeper. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no, that's certainly true. And and I, well, and here's I, I agree and I disagree. On the one hand, I think deeper change needs to happen. There does need to be comprehensive immigration reform and, and all of that. And and I think reasonable people can disagree about what the right way to go about Absolutely. that is and what Big the debate. right what the right policy is. And 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 to be f- frank with you, I'm not totally sure what even my own view is in terms of. How to Di- solve it different all? different immigration challenges? Yeah, believe it or not, I haven't figured that one out yet. Hey, Lance. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, no, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. But um, so I'm not really sure what to do there. But but here here is what you talk about things that you know get you riled up. Here's what gets me riled up: is the idea that this issue of separating families would be used for leverage to accomplish other priorities as it relates to legislation, and that is happening right now, and that drives me crazy. Give me an example. That, I don't know what that so means. So for example, so so for example, and I'll just again, I'm not trying to be biased, whatever. This is just what is occurring right now is the president of the United States is blaming Democrats for what is happening at the border. Mm-hmm. That is false. That, that this is not the result of democratic politics. That again, like that's not my opinion. That is objectively false. And what he has tweeted and said on some different occasions is that this is the Democrats' fault because they're not willing to fund the wall. They're not willing to take other border security initiatives because what he wants is he wants comprehensive immigration reform. Now, whatever you think about border security measures, whatever you think of the wall, fine. Let's have that conversation. Let's have that debate. Let's let politicians figure it out and let's enact a policy. I've got my opinion on that, as you do and most other people do as well. But to me, that's a separate issue and I'm not and and what I have a real problem with is is that we can't say okay let's pass a clean bill right that says families cannot be uh, separated from one another children cannot be separated from their adults unless there are these uh, extenuating circumstances where the safety of the child is truly in jeopardy. Absolutely. I read the bill this morning that is being debated in the United States Senate and that's basically what it says. Mm. It's clean. Now yeah. If I were to give you the stats on who supports it and who doesn't, people would accuse me of being partisan, right? which I am not. The bill exists. From what I can tell, there is just not the political will to pass it. Now, a lot of people who have not currently said they'll vote for it, like Ben Sass, a senator from Arkansas, or not Arkansas, Nebraska, excuse me, uh, John McCain from Arizona, a lot, of these got, a lot of these Republicans have come out and they have forcefully condemned this practice. So I want to be fair in saying that. Uh, but so far, from all that I can tell, the votes aren't there to get it passed. So the clean bill exists, but there are those who are seeking to use this issue as leverage to accomplish their other legislative priorities. Or they refuse to cross the aisle because they didn't start it. Sure. And again, I, like, I'm fine with, like, I get that the way that politics works is you debate and you, hey, I'll give you this if you give me that. Like, and, you know, we Which compromise with each other. Well, I, I mean, I don't like it, but like, I get that I get that's it. how it works. It's, like, I don't yeah. have, it is not my preference. But it's not like necessarily evil. But I think it's pretty. It's there are certain things that just can't be leveraged, and one of them is we're going to stop this practice of separating families if you give us these other things we want. That, I have a big problem with that. Well, yeah. And once again, let's talk about um, some core values that we have tried to say that we're about, right? Yeah. Which I don't. You know, we can all debate as to how much America is kind of in alignment with. Judeo-Christian values or not, yeah. right? Is it a secular nation? <laughs> is it a Christian nation? But America is still known, and I think less so now, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. still known to be helpers. Yeah. So, for example, if a national disaster hits, a lot of people are assuming America is going to send some type of aid. Yeah. Um, every, all the other nations look to us in their natural disasters or their local disasters. Yeah. They're like, when is America 
coming in yeah. because we're supposed to be the helpful ones, yeah. right? Now, that's a hangover of Jesus, in right. my opinion, meaning like that's a good thing about <laughs> us. But when we start really hitting the news about being the the rough ones, the nasty ones, the we're going to do whatever it takes kind of attitude, yeah. it's the same reason why, and you and I have debated these things before, but... Um, when we talk about torture things and mm-hmm. and tactics of there are ways to extract information and there are there are good ways and there are there are rough ways. Mm-hmm. When we start becoming known as the do it at all costs yeah. nation, that's a very different nation than we've been historically. Yeah. Um, even though we've done some pretty nasty things, <laughs> right? Um, we still have tried to maintain a level of kindness. A level of help, yeah. a level of love. And so this kind of stuff really does not seem quite in alignment with what we wish to be as a nation. Yeah, no, it's... You got to protect the, the babies. Yeah, that, yeah, That's the way. Absolutely. Uh, can I change the subject real quick? Please do, go ahead. So one of the things that also I think caught uh, Pastor Brian and my attention on this whole thing was that when Jeff Sessions was talking about why people need to kind of get in line with this whole thing, he quoted the scripture, and he quoted Romans 13 uh, about um, falling under the authority of the governing body, right? I've got it right here. Should I read a couple of verses for uh, us yes. just to give us the, Go for the text? It. So this is Romans 13, starting in verse 1. Uh, he, he referenced verse 1. I'll read just a couple of verses to give us a little more context. Uh, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. Now, I am all for using scripture to guide our nation. Yeah. I am all for... <laughs> Uh, government officials actually reading scripture and doing what it says. I think that what drives me crazy is that when you're getting pushback on something, you use the Bible very randomly to support your own view. Now, here's what he was saying. Uh, There was a bunch of religious leaders that were saying, hey, you guys, uh, we hate this policy, we hate this policy, we hate this policy. And he was trying to use their own language against them. Ah, but your Bible says you need to do what we say because we're the governing authority. Now, there's a couple problems with him utilizing that passage, um, which I I am all for law. Mm -hmm. I'm all for order. As a matter of fact, I think that a traditional reading of Romans 13 about obeying the government, I think, is legit uh, in, in many ways. I think him using it at this time is totally inappropriate yeah. uh, because he's using it as leverage. But I think that the meaning is actually really true. I, I, I you know, I've done so much ex- exposition on this kind of stuff. I, mm. I know what it means, yeah. and it does mean God is saying, listen— we ha- I put in authorities. I know they're not the ones you always want, but I put in authorities to watch over the bad guys. Yeah. Okay, that is what it means. Here's the couple problems. Yeah. Number one, that passage has been used in a variety of ways in history that are no bueno. <laughs> can, can you what are, what are give us some examples? Yeah. So, we can... so so if we want to go outside the United States, mm-hmm. uh, that was kind of a Nazi propaganda, yep. right? Which is you just need to do what we say. Yep. Okay. In the U.S. history, there's two areas that it was utilized. One was in the American Revolution. So the loyalists to Britain 
was saying, you can't argue with us. You can't go against us. You can't separate and break. We would never have America if they were if they won this argument. Yeah. They said, you can't break from England because they're your governing authority and you have to do what the Bible says. Now, yeah. we can all debate whether or not that's the case. All I'm saying is America's founded on the breaking of that. <laughs> on breaking that interpretation that, of Romans 13. Exactly. <laughs> Secondly, in the 1840s and 50s, defenders of slavery tried to shut down abolitionists by saying, stop telling us we can't do it. It's what our government has said we can do. Yeah. And so when he quotes something like that, it brings in this huge context, right, uh, where everyone's going, whoa, 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 are you the bad guy trying to tell me to just get back in line, right? So right. that was the first problem. Yeah. The problem that I think that you and I need to discuss is the second problem. The second problem is even though we know what the verse means and the passages mean, what's the context and what was Paul referring to? What was he not referring to? This is right. our area, right. right? I mean, Jeff Sessions jumped right into our <laughs> wheelhouse. Yeah. So yeah. tell me well, your thoughts just, on that. A couple comments, and then I'll let, I'll let you kind of ha- handle most of that. But, but I think that we need to be very clear that uh, while the text obviously appears to be encouraging some level of deference to the authorities, respect for the rule of law, things like that, which are are fine. I don't know that either of us would be like, yeah, the rule of law I, is I, bad. Yeah, I agree. You know, like I'm I'm in favor of having laws and Absolutely. rules and things like that. Um, clearly, Paul did not believe that you must obey every law all the time. How do we know that? Because he wrote several letters from prison. <laughs> yeah. Breaking news, they put you in prison for breaking the law. Yes. You know, like, why was Jesus executed? Like, it wasn't because he was a really nice guy. It's because in the eyes of the Romans, he was breaking the law. Like, clearly, there are circumstances in which resistance to what is going on is appropriate. Now, through the lens of history, we would look back and say, well, more Christians in Germany ought to have opposed Nazis. Um, Very easy to say from where we're sitting now. Absolutely. Uh, More more Christians. uh, We didn't mention South African apartheid. It was used to to justify apartheid. More Christians should have been on the other side of that. I mean, it's always clear what the right side is 30 years in the future, right? Um, Even civil rights time period yes. in the United States where this passage is used. And we would say, no, 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 more Christians should have spoken up and said, these laws are unjust. We need to change them. But Romans 13, once again, used to maintain the status quo, even in the face of injustice. So, so cl- whatever you want to say Romans 13 is about, we need to be clear what it's not about. And that is not that it is not about that laws are necessarily our highest authority all the time. Now, does that mean, just to use a example that is so extreme it's silly, that uh, I can claim some sort of inappropriate government persecution and thus drive 90 miles on the freeway in the name of Jesus and <laughs> feel like I'm doing the right thing? No, like, of course not. Can I not pay my taxes? I mean, I've seen Christians argue that Christians shouldn't pay taxes. No, I don't believe I pay my taxes. I don't believe we should. Yeah, the selfish benefit stuff. Right. But there are situations in which resistance is necessary. Mm -hmm. Clearly, Paul believed that because he was jailed for it. Tell us a little bit more about 
Romans 13 and kind of your take on it. Yeah, okay. So first of all, uh, everything has context. I'm going to say it, context, context, context. And one of the things is we have quite a few revolutionary leaders. So Jesus is a revolutionary. Paul was a revolutionary. Um, And honestly, in America, it's not like we're arguing this in maybe an Asian culture that, that has a high level of respect, right. we're actually a pretty rebellious nation. So the whole <laughs> idea, uh, everything we do is in rebellion. But anyway, um, here's kind of the point that you look in context. So when the apostles were rounded up, they were told not to preach. The religious leaders of the time were told not to preach the gospel. Yeah. It says, a high priest said, we strictly charge you not to teach in the name of Jesus. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. You intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Mm -hmm. All right. In other words, any ideas of following things, wherever there is a clash between the law of God and the law of man, Mm -hmm. the law of God supersedes it. So, for example, if God said um, that... um, you are not allowed to steal, okay? Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to... Well, that's probably one of the clearest ones. Right. And yet, our government said that you can steal. Mm-hmm. God's law is higher. Mm-hmm. Let's say, for example, if a government came in and said, you cannot teach your children to pray. Yeah. God's law supersedes that. Look at Daniel. You know? Daniel. I mean, how yes. did he end up in the lion's den? <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, and the Hebrew <laughs> he boys in fire, Shadrach, right. Meshach, yeah. and Abednego, yeah. and about every other guy in the Bible. Yeah. So, in other words, there's always the idea that God's law is highest. Now, here's where you cannot abuse it. Yeah. You cannot say, I don't want to do that, therefore I'm going to enact the rebellion stance. Right. No. The only time that is allowable is when God's law is clearly telling you something other, yeah. right? Yeah. And so for Jeff Sessions to bring in and say, no, 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 you got to snap in line, which I don't know if Jeff is a believer or not. I don't know anything about this dude, quite frankly. He is a believer. He's a Methodist. His own denomination has condemned his use of Romans 13. Yes, I think everybody <laughs> did. But um, just because he's a he's saved does not necessarily mean he's a good expositor. Yeah. Here, here's my point. When, when he utilized that and steps in, you have to go, buddy, you completely missed a bunch of the context. Yeah. What we're arguing is that the separation and traumatization of the children is a violation of God's law. Right. Therefore, whatever your law is, it supersedes that. So, once again, the passage that you quoted does not apply. Right. Anyway, that... Yeah. Yeah, and it's, again, you have to look at the historical... I mean, the the way that this has been used throughout history as well by uh, those seeking to impose some injustice, it's... I don't know a whole lot about Jeff Sessions either, but it did seem to be a very odd choice of verses in light of the fact that surely he must know. Well, when that no this one quotes been, scripture ever, yeah. and the only time they do is to say, "Hey, guys, stop bucking the system." Yeah. Well, and and here, here's the other thing, and this is going to sound a little bit, I don't, a little bit mean, but I don't mean it to sound mean. But ignorance is a tool that can be used very effectively in the hands of people in power. Oh, yeah. What do I mean by that? Control. Most people don't know how to read and interpret the Bible. Nope. 
which, okay, like I'm not, that's not a judgment on anybody. That's just, it is what it is. So a person in power can get up and say, hey, this is what the Bible says. Yeah. And it's like, well, yes, those are the words on the page. Yep. But there's often a difference between this is what the Bible says, this is what the Bible means. Yes. I mean, you know, a big hobby horse of mine is the mainstream media is not fake news. I will repeat that over and over and over again. And I think it's a big deal that like the world is looking at us as Christians. And when we repeat that lie, we're showing ourselves to be untrustworthy. Yes. But why does that lie gain steam? Because the vast majority of, the Amer- of Americans have no idea how the mainstream media works. They have no idea the processes that are in place. Right. Now, is there a space to have a conversation about bias and what? Of course there is. Everything is biased. We talked about this in season one, episode eight. But why does that lie gain the traction that it gains? Because most people just don't know. They're ignorant. Yes. And I'm not, like, it's not our responsibility to know lots of stuff about everything. Right. But we just have to be careful because in the hands of people in power, I mean, even you and I in our position, in, in the position that we are in, we, can we, abuse. Could, we could abuse that and play off the yes. igno- ignorance because Absolutely. we have the time and the ability because of what we do for a living to study things more and have a deeper understanding and all that. And if we don't steward that properly, we could lead people in a very negative direction. Yes. We're always in danger of that. Right. So we need to be clear that uh, what's going on here is, and obviously I don't know Jeff Sessions' heart. I don't. Right. I, like, I don't either. I, like I'm not going to sit here he and say super nice. I'm not going to sit here and say he knowingly misused. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. don't know. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, he did. And to use a verse like this to support the notion of separating families at the border is simply inappropriate. And again, like. Once again, this might sound a little harsh, but I, you know, I don't mean it to be. But you can decide if you want to agree that that was an inappropriate use of scripture or if you want to defend the way that it was used. If you choose to defend it, you will find there are virtually no Christian leaders on your side. <laughs> virtually none. Uh, and again, even, I mean, you look at the, the individuals who have come out against this, it's not a bunch of liberal hippies, right? right? It's people that in a lot of cases have backed a lot of conservative stuff. So anyway. Uh, no, no, no. I, I think everything you said is is right on. I, I think that it's okay for Jeff Sessions to quote scripture, but I think that people should be able to then look to the experts that are their pr- pastors or priests and go, yeah. is that legit? Yeah. And then we would go, no. No. And they would go, oh, okay. And they'd be able to move on. Not everybody is ever has a pastor or connection to the church anymore. Right. So they end up just kind of getting manipulated by it. Right. I think that because this is our wheelhouse, that's where it starts to agitate because you go, whoa, 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 don't step in our territory yeah. and use it to for your own power move. Yeah. That wasn't cool. Well, and it, it, it undoes... It undoes, excuse me, a lot of the work that we're trying to do, which is to help people understand the gospel, to help people understand what the Bible is. If somebody with little to no background in the scriptures says, see, the Bible's being used to justify family separation. They're like, oh, yeah, Yeah. see, I told you the Bible is this awful book that proposes all these awful things. It's like, well, no, no, it's not. So, okay, so here's the thing. We're going to get criticism, likely, for talking about this. That's okay. The criticism that we'll get for talking about this is twofold, and I want us to address both of those things now uh, in hopes of maybe just giving some some understanding. Uh, number one, people will undoubtedly say, you shouldn't be talking about this, you should be focused on preaching the gospel. What would you say to that? Uh, we are. 
We are preaching the gospel. The, the gospel is about, uh, everyone assumes that the gospel is simply how to get your ticket to heaven. That is incorrect. The gospel is about life abundantly. The mm-hmm. gospel is about the full expression of the kingdom God here on earth as it is in heaven. And so any discussions about justice, any discussions about righteousness, any discussions about holiness, those are the gospel. So quite frankly, this is talking about the gospel. That was my first answer. Boom. There you go. That's good. I would say also, um, yes, agree with everything that you're saying. And uh, our friend, Pastor Parnell, referenced this this last weekend when he said, if if judgment is coming to America, it will be because of the, the silence of the evangelical church on a lot of important issues. Inside the church, there are a lot of people that want us to speak out about these things. Right. You're No, you're absolutely right. But there are a lot that, that would, frankly would be just fine if we didn't. And that's not a judgment call on anybody. There's, they, they're the ones who would say, you know, I'd, I'd prefer you just stick to, you know, Bible stuff. Bible stuff, teach me the text, tell me God loves me and all that stuff. And again, I don't mean that pejoratively in any way. I don't mean any disrespect at all. But here's the thing. The outside world is watching. The outside world is watching. And when we are silent on issues like this and when we are silent, when our scriptures, knowingly or not, get misused in the public square, the world, those who are far from God notice, and it undermines our credibility for them. That is why so many of the issues that I'm passionate about are issues like this, where the world is watching us saying, what are you going to do about it? And and the last thing I want to do is look back at people who are saying, what are you going to do about it? And say, ah, man, you know, I would have said something, but I was just afraid of critics, you know, and I just, I don't want to live my life that way. Nope. I don't want to teach my boys to live that way, you know? So anyway, second thing is, uh, Hey, well, how come you're, you're talking about issues like this, but you don't talk about issues like, you know, abortion or things like that. Where's the outrage on, on issues like that? What would you say to that? Uh, well, first of all, we did talk about abortion. Um, and so that kind of blows that out of the water, (laughs) but, um, here's the deal. There are a million issues. Um, and so we're going to try to click them off and really try to talk through a lot. There are some that are a little bit more right in our face, right? Right now, because yep. once again, as the world is asking for the Christian viewpoint on it, yep. we need to talk about it. Yep. There's certain things that have been discussed so much ad nauseum. The yep. world already knows where we stand. Yep. Um, also, sometimes we're trying to lead into change. And when everyone agrees on a subject, there's really no point in us talking more about it just so right. we can get our whole congregation to encourage us and tell us, yes, we all agree with you. Right. Uh, because as much as I would love this podcast to go out to the whole world, right now it is still primarily Christians that yeah. are listening to it. So yeah. we're trying to change you yeah. um, at, while the world is listening in. And yeah. if we're always talking about everything we agree with you on... That's probably not the point. Right. That, that's not, a, I don't sense that as a big pain point in the evangelical community right now where it's like, gosh, I just wish more people were against abortion. Like we're just, we're kind of wishy-washy on that issue. Yeah. There's and not a lot of that. There's not a lot of that. And I, 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 and just to be perfectly clear, again, we've talked about abortion and I hate abortion. I think it is a tremendous evil. I want there to be zero of that. Absolutely. And, and that's something that, you know, we could talk about issues like that all day long and everybody, everybody would be like, oh man, thank you so much for yes. taking a stand and all this other stuff. But then you talk about issues like this and, and you get, well, why are you being political? Yeah. Like, right. well, okay, no, we're not. Yes. Well, let me, let, me, let me split that out a little bit more. So, for example, one thing that I don't believe that we'll end up talking about, which I never say never, right? Because sure. at some point we may get into it. Yeah. We're probably not going to have a podcast on tax cuts. 
Yeah. That's so that's a political issue. Mm-hmm. A political issue is how do we run the economics of our nation? Yeah. And so some people would say, I want more taxes on the rich. I want less taxes on the rich. I want bigger government. I want less government. Yeah. A lot of those are political issues. Yeah. The reason we don't talk about those is they don't cross over primarily into morality issues or spiritual issues. Yeah. They don't they don't tend to surround about the issues of love. Now, I will talk about issues like welfare. Mm-hmm. Because I believe it has to do with a caring element or a watching over someone. People go, well, you're getting into economics. Hold up. No. We stay much more on our side of things, which is care of people. But there's an awful lot of things that are on political spectrums that we are not going to debate. Right. Because it just doesn't cross over into our realm. Right. We are not trying to tell everyone how to run the nation. We're not yeah. trying to tell everyone whether there should be more states' rights or less states' rights. That's another thing. Mm. We're probably not going to debate. That is a political issue. Yeah. We just don't get into that right. kind of stuff. California, one state or three? Like, right. Exactly. I don't care. Like, we're not talking about that. Right. But, but the point is, is if we were politically... Um, aligned and we were like how do we go down the republican ticket how do we go down the democratic ticket and and start pushing different views you would have to talk about those things you have to talk about water rights you have to talk about we don't talk about that stuff because it's not political it's only when it deals with people and human beings usually crossing over into a love or care element, or a justice element, or yeah. an oppression versus non-oppression, yeah. right? Yeah. This is what gets us fired up. Yeah. And is abortion a part? Yeah, it's why we talked about it. Right. The, the whole, uh, you know, uh, what does it mean to be pro-life if yeah. you didn't hear that series? We have a lot of stuff. The take a knee thing is not political. We're right. talking about people and injustice. Yeah. And so that should be clear enough for most of our listeners to figure out why we select what we select and why we don't. Boom. <laughs> Lance, are you passionate about what you just said? Uh, I can't yeah, tell. I, I just woke up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was kind of snoozing there for the first half. Yeah. So. No, that was, that was beautifully stated. And, and you know, I, I think that it's important for our listeners to understand that, that when we see issues where, okay, man, it's great to see the church mobilizing and supporting a particular cause or supporting an issue that we think is close to God's heart. Like that's not necessarily, like we might talk about that a little, but that's not necessarily an area where we feel this need to mobilize and to kind of utilize our voices and even discuss and, or even in a situation where we might not agree, even debate, but it's issues where we feel like, man, I just, Man, the church isn't paying attention to this. Or, gosh, we've allowed right. our we've allowed ourselves to be formed by uh, politics or partisanship, as opposed to being formed by the teaching of our scriptures. Let's let's just see if we can let <laughs> let's engage in the dangerous mission of trying to you know bring someone back and just say, hey, let, let, what what do our scriptures have to say about this, and and how can we look through look at this issue biblically. Um, and hopefully that'll help. So there's going to be some there's going to be some gray areas that yeah. we walk into, and other ones we don't. You know, it, for example, if we went, man, there's a really good candidate that really seems to be promoting the the, the things of Jesus Christ. You would have an automatic temptation to go, oh, I love talking about this guy. Well, because of you and I being so sensitive to the idea of not promoting individuals, yeah, we wouldn't do that. You no, know what I'm saying? Never. So there's certain yeah. things that people would go, well, why aren't you talking about that? That is a human. Well, there are certain issues that when we walk into it, it becomes more problematic yeah. because that person can also change. Right. Oh, yeah. No question. So, I mean, I, I think as it pertains to this issue, the, the, the big deal is that, uh, first of all, kids are suffering. 
and they're suffering tremendously. And we didn't even... They cannot suffer on our watch. Yeah, we didn't even get into the long... We talked about all the Christian organizations that have spoken out against this. We didn't even get into... I'm looking at it right now. Pages and pages long of different mental health organizations that are saying this practice must stop. It is absolutely unacceptable. I mean, this has been, uh, again roundly opposed in the faith community, uh, roundly opposed in the mental health community, and and it needs to stop. It is not a right-left issue. Plenty of conservative politicians have spoken out against it. Plenty of liberal politicians have posted it. I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm not telling you what to think of those people. You think what you want about them. But I hope that as Christ followers, we can unite and say, this can't happen on our watch, like you said. And I hope that we can, in whatever way we're able to, be people who take action and seek to use our voice, seek to use our resources, seek to figure out what we can do uh, to help make a difference. An organization that my wife and I support is an organization called KIND, Kids in Need of Defense, www.supportkind.org. If for no other reason than just to get a better idea of what's happening and get a better idea of how you can get involved in the process, I think it's worth spending a minute to look at what's going on there. And my hope and prayer is that we discussed this right before we came on the air is that this is a fast moving situation. We're recording on a Tuesday. This will be publicly available on Wednesday. I hope the situation is radically different, you know, by the time it's even available or, or by right, the next day. Right. So, so that's, that's our hope. And, and I hope that, that this conversation has, has helped in thinking biblically about this issue and then more than that, to be able to think biblically moving forward about other issues that, that come our way. Yeah, the last thing that I'll say, and I think that we got to wrap this up, is is we challenged, you and I, we challenged policies in the Obama administration as well. Heck yes. Once again, the idea that we're challenging a policy under the Trump administration is not a direct attack on the Trump administration. Yes. Um, having given all my concerns with President Trump and in all that, that is actually an aside. Yes. Um, that... We're just simply saying a current policy being enacted by our government, we don't believe is in aligned with God's heart. Right. Regardless of who's the president. Right. If you want to talk about Obama era drone strikes, I have some thoughts. <laughs> and they are not positive. <laughs> not so positive. yeah, it's values, not people people or parties, that's for sure. All right. Well, hey, thanks, Lance, for the time. Really appreciate it. Thanks to our audio engineer, Lucian Hughes, and video director, Brennan Stewart. Great job, as always, guys. Thanks to uh, all of you for listening, joining us on this episode. We know that this is a complicated uh, and difficult issue. But we appreciate your engagement, and we hope you'll get involved, and we hope that you'll be a part of the solution. And ultimately, our prayer is that however it happens, that God would make a way for families to be reunited and for this practice of uh, children being separated uh, to end and that their families would ultimately be taken care of. Thanks for being with us. We look forward to being with you again in two weeks on the next episode of Engaging Culture. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.